Young business leaders, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 125. Uh, Today's an exciting day because we're recording podcasts. It's been a little while since I've been able to jump on here. So I always look forward to kind of taking some time to grow uh, as a leader, grow um, in my, and and ultimately kind of expand some of the the, the thoughts that I've been thinking about and, and, and have an opportunity to kind of bounce some ideas and talk through some things with people that are out there in the world making it happen. And today I have a wonderful guest, uh, Teresa Henson. She is the Senior Vice President and Global Account Director of IT RS group, and she's also a certified strength coach. And uh, I, I want to really dig into some of these uh, strength coach things that she's doing, because I think this is something that you're probably starting to hear a little bit about uh, in your leadership journey. You're knowing that, you know, there's certain things that make you up. There's certain characteristics to your leadership, to the things that you do, but maybe you don't have a clear definition of what those are. And so today we're going to dive in really deep into some of that stuff and hopefully give you maybe a little uh, behind the scenes tour of, of what it looks like to work with a strength coach and ultimately uh, learn from the things that make you up and how that can make you a better leader. So with that, Teresa, welcome to the podcast. If you don't mind, say hello to the audience and tell them a little bit more about yourself. Hello, hello. Thank you, of course, for having me. And you touched on some great things. I mean, that's why I became a strength coach is because of how it will grow your leadership, you know, from where you've been to where you need to go and who you are and really finding your and understanding your talents, and then more importantly, how to take those talents and actually make them become strengths Mm. and to become the best you and the best version of you. So a little bit about myself and my journey is that I would say about five years ago, I helped launch a software company into the United States. Uh, It's a network management, basically, that's IT monitoring software for your infrastructure. And the very next step for them was to launch to the United States, and they asked me to do that. Immediately, I then got an an executive coach to help me through that journey, because now I was going to become the president of the company, and I was the end-all, be-all escalation. So I was like, oh, no, who do I go to next, right? (laughs) So after I got my executive coach, I realized very quickly that she was also a strength coach, and that's when she introduced me to Strength Finder. At that point, what you do is you take an assessment, and it's about 30 to 45 minutes. It's time-based because it wants you to immediately get your, you know, your instinctive answer, not the who you want to be, but who you actually are. And at the end of it, when I started to read through the reports, I realized very quickly, I felt like I was found out. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And and I absolutely wanted to know more. So that's how I kind of got started with it. And then, of course, now leading into you know, performance of my team, performance of myself, and even evolving to the fact that now it's even my own family members and just how do we communicate better? So my my brother and sister-in-law just had their third kid and they're like, how do I communicate better with my spouse? <laughs> you know, we're sleep deprived. And that's when, you know, a lot of the raw versions of yourself come out and then how to really even take that and take it to a next level. That's awesome. I, uh, I'm really inspired by a lot of that because I've known these things have been out there and I think, uh, it's really awesome that you recognize very early that you needed to kind of dive into some of this stuff. And I think a lot of times leaders, when you're promoted to that role of president, you're like, man, this is the thing I'm striving for. This is the thing that I'm going after. And then you get there and (laughs) I think it's a very natural thought of, oh no, I'm the end all be all. I have no training for this. And 
granted, I'm the kind of person that usually is the know-it-all or at least projects the know-it-all. But at the same time, uh, I, I do question myself a lot. So I think it's awesome that you kind of jumped in, found a coach and just said, hey, you know, what are some things that I need to anticipate? Not to say that you couldn't figure that stuff out on your own, but you've accelerated that process so that when you jump into that role, you're that much more qualified. I, I call it backfilling. Uh, you rise yeah. to a certain level and sometimes you rise a little bit faster than your expertise or your knowledge because they see the potential in you. But it's your job and you're uh, especially in that role to, to say, OK, there are certain weaknesses that I have. I need to uh, backfill those. But at the same time, there are some strengths that you have some. And you said talents. And I think it was really intriguing to me right off the bat that you said that you help uh, take a talent to a strength. And I think that some people would say that a talent is a strength, but it sounds like you have a, a, deline a, a delineation between the two. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two and how you can hone a talent into a strength? Absolutely. So the way that Clifton um, believes uh, when he created these year, you know, almost 80 years ago is that everybody innately has strengths. But then he started to realize that there's kind of a raw and mature version of these things. And so the raw version of you is just what you lead with, but sometimes it can be used for negative versus positive. So that's when you have to kind of work through practice your talent and ultimately then it becomes the strength. Mm. I think it's interesting to think that you have to practice <laughs> in everything, right? You think about practicing in sports or you think about practicing in like music or, or some of these specific things that you do. But I don't necessarily think about myself as a person who practices in leadership. Have you been able to actually walk out some of that practice and through your leadership journey? Yes, absolutely. So I know we haven't kind of really talked about the actual strengths themselves, but my number one strength is competition. Mm -hmm. So the raw version of me is if I don't think I can win, then I don't play. Mm -hmm. And that was absolutely enlightening to learn and to then understand about myself as I was starting to make decisions about the future of myself, the company and my team. So then realizing that as I started to practice that and not to pull back and hold back, but instead to be a part. So the mature version of it is that it's not that's me that's winning. It's I'm helping others win. Mm. <laughs> so you were the uh, I'm taking my ball and I'm leaving if I'm not going to win this game kind of mentality. That's correct. I was the sore <laughs> loser. Absolutely. I cried if I got second. <laughs> well, uh, we do share that 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 competition um strength. So I think that that's awesome. So I can relate a little bit to that. And uh, we've played some games together. And uh, I know that I get a little bit under your skin, because I don't I don't know that you always run into somebody uh, as, as uh, competitive as you are. But uh, I think I'm brushing up pretty close. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the strengths because you did bring that up. And we haven't jumped into that part yet. So I know there's more than 34 strengths. How many strengths are there? And, let's, and if you can kind of talk about like what the strengths ultimately tell us in, in broad sense, and then we'll kind of hone down into some, uh, some specific ones, like you said, competition. Absolutely. Actually, it, when Clifton first started off, there was more than 34, but now they've actually narrowed it down to the 34. And then from there, when you take your assessment, what they're really looking for is your top five and your mm -hmm. 10, and then your 10 ultimately, because that's where you primarily operate out of. Your top five, your one through five, are where you don't even have to think and they just naturally happen. Then your six through 10, you have to think a little bit more. You have to stop, process, and then you can pull those through. 
Anything after 10, you can absolutely pull from if absolutely needed, but that's where diversity and group and team comes in. You yourself weren't built for everything. Mm -hmm. So you then have to partner and identify those people around you that have those other strengths as their five and 10 to ultimately utilize them instead and to partner where two is better than one. So there, so there is only 34. So when I, when I, that is correct. Okay. All right. So I thought there was like a big pool and then you narrow it down to 34, but there's, there's actually 34. So let's talk about some of these. Uh, this is my, and we'll kind of start backwards and work our way forwards. My, my lowest, my number 34, uh, strength is woo. (laughs) Yes. And, and and that's a little bit confusing. So can talk a little bit about that because I mean, obviously, you get into some of these like competition, uh, arranger, relator, belief. But what is woo? I just need to know what that one is. Apparently, yeah, I'm horrible at it. So woo is just the innate sense for others to love you right away or to like you immediately. Okay. So that's actually all it is, is that that immediate attraction that you have to have it. And that if you don't get it, then you feel kind of burned back. <laughs> so it's not a bad thing. And that's wonder, what's wonderful about these strengths is that they actually all have extremely similar behaviors. So those are actually the same. What's different is the motivator or the trigger. Mm. So a lot of these can mask themselves as being very similar, but again, it's what motivates you and triggers you to be that way that makes the difference. So for you, you have very high influencing themes. You have what are are a lot of, in your top five and 10 are what's called an influencing theme. So yes, there's 34 strengths, but then from there, they actually roll up to four themes, Mm -hmm. which are relationship, strategic thinking, execution, and influence. And influence, actually is one of the lower ones, meaning the 20 million people that have taken this assessment over like 160 countries, influence is actually one of the lower ones. So you have a high influencing as well as myself, which is actually kind of rare. We're unicorns. Yes. We did it. We did it. And I didn't and- get I didn't get to make my Ric Flair joke about the whole woo thing. I think Ric Flair is probably very high on woo, but I think only certain people will get what that, what that joke is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there's four different categories, influencing, uh, relate, or what were they again? Influencing, influencing, strategic thinking, Uh execution and relationship and relationship. Okay, so what I've agreed to do is, and, 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 and Teresa has been um, willing to kind of talk about some of my, well, we, I guess we'll talk about my top five. And mm-hmm. so this, this will kind of give us an opportunity to kind of see what, it, what it's like to kind of explore what your, 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 your top strengths are. And I think Clifton calls it the talent DNA, what makes you up as a business leader. So um, if you don't mind, uh, I'll read off. I'll read off my kind of t- my my top five, and then if we can, we talk a little bit about them, and then hopefully I can kind of relate to them a little bit and kind of give you some like, oh, that makes sense. Like for Wu, I, I think I'm really low on Wu because mm-hmm. I'm horrible at first impressions. Like I, so oh, I totally relate go. to that. Like it doesn't bother me, but for some reason I don't hit it off well. But once I do make that contact with somebody, when we get into some of my other ones with, I think it's Relator and and uh, some of exactly. those other ones. I think that's where I actually forge really strong relationships. So my, my top five are maximizer, analytical, responsibility, uh, deliberative, and competition. 
And I know that they're in that order, but I think you were telling me that just because they're in that order doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to relate to one more than the other based in that order. You might actually relate more to one that's a little bit lower in there. Those are just your top your strengths, if you will, right? Exactly. So these are never meant to be a label or to pigeonhole you into something. So they're more just behaviors and you pull them as needed depending on your circumstance and your situations. So in some cases, they like to not even put numbers associated with them just so that you don't start to kind of move more towards one direction just simply by being influenced that way. Mm -hmm. So it was funny that you talked about your woo versus relator because that's exactly kind of contrasting themes. So woo is a one to many. It's you have to take in everybody all at the same time. Whereas relator is more one to one. Mm -hmm. So yes, you may not have that instant connection, but you're going to be asking the deeper questions that's going to then build a long, long term relationship. That's great. That and that's something that 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 I put a high value on. I'm not a I'm not a huge like small talk type of person. I can do it if I need to, but it's not something that I would prefer to do. So, and I'm I'm really glad that you even talked a little bit about it's not a label. And I think sometimes people would 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 look at some of the the things that they get in this report because this I think the report's free if you do, and they'll just give you like a very limited amount of information, and then they'll kind of break it out further, and that's kind of where you get the full report. But I think what what may happen is someone may take the test and and get through it and be like, man, I, I'm, you know, competition just doesn't. I don't I don't think I'm competition, but maybe their view of competition is a little bit different than what the actual definition is through Strength Finders, and so I think it's important to to say like just because you have kind of these strengths and now it's kind of a your opportunity to go a little bit deeper and and understand those and i think as you are able to open up the definitions of them and what they mean and especially the strengths and weaknesses of those like the blind spots which which we'll talk about here in a little bit i think that's really important because in some cases um i've actually found where some of my strengths can get out of control like i'm very strong in something Right. That I think that's what creates that blind spot. And then I alienate people or I maybe Mm. rub people the wrong way, but it's because I'm uh, very analytical. So I'm, or in the deliberative side, I'm very deliberate in terms of some of the things that I do. And some people who are like, you know, very democratic and they want to like, you know, get everybody's opinion on something. And I just, I'm very black and white and just say, Mm -hmm. this is why you should do this. They're like, well, let's talk about it. And I'm like, no, I've already thought about it. Like, this is what it is. So, um, I think it's important to kind of take a lot of that stuff into consideration when you're going through it. I think that's what the help that a coach brings exactly. in terms of that process is to help understand what all of this actually means. Yes, and, and Strength Finder did a good job and understood that as well. And so they actually have, I think earlier I talked about a raw and mature, but they took it one step further and there's like a balcony and a basement. So of that strength, is it really how you truly lead or is there just pieces of that that you take and use Mm -hmm. so in in understanding that i've actually got questions based on your top five to help us understand about you if it is really your kind of what you lead with or if it's more kind of secondary even though it's in your top five Mm, so you're gonna turn the the tables and ask me questions i wasn't ready for that. well yeah because there's no way to assume (laughs) who you are i've got to ask questions to actually figure that out (laughs) fair enough so let's jump into uh let's jump into the first one maximizer so your focus 
Uh, you focus on strengths as a way to stimulate personal and group excellence. You seek to transform something into something superb. And I, one of the things that kind of indirectly has come through my journey through this and, and ultimately your one degree is, you know, figuring out some things that describe me and I've, I've kind of put down innovator. I always find I, ways to innovate. Yeah. And I think that that ties very closely to Max. Yes, absolutely. And some of the other things that I kind of jotted down and just in knowing you for so long is it's a radar for excellence. So you and you hit it right on the head where it's not taking something that's necessarily completely broken and then just kind of fixing it. It's you have a unique ability to actually take something that is already working and being able to see how it can actually be even better. Mm -hmm. So people might be a little bit complacent in what they think is just good enough. But for you, you can go in and say, no, this is how to make this amazing. And I think that in that kind of sphere, like once I recognize that thing that can make it better, it actually bothers me until I'm able to get in there and fix it. So like there's certain things that'll happen. I'll see certain things going on. I'll see a part of a process. And every time we get to that one part that, that I can see that can be better, Right. Like that it just triggers not the best word, but it essentially as I'm seeing it happen, I'm cringing because I know <laughs> that it can be better and I'm just watching people fumble through it and it just drives me nuts. Yes, which is your other um, ones coming through like your analytical and your deliberative. So that's actually where you're pairing a couple of strengths together and that's what they look like. Mm. So after you take your assessment and you talked a little bit about the reporting, um, Strength Finder does a really good job of giving you several reports and videos. You get a lot for your money to really understand more about yourself. And there's this new report that came out a year ago called Your Your 34. And there's a really strong algorithm on the back end that actually gives the information based on your pairings of where your top five and top 10 are. Mm -hmm. So what it says for you is actually different than what it's going to say for someone else, depending on what they have as number two, three, four, and five. So that's actually really um, important to learn as you're reading these reports. Absolutely. And once you get all the reports, you're like, yeah, I want to learn all this stuff about myself. And then all the reports come in and you're like, this is a lot of information. I'm not I'm ready to read it all. Can <laughs> yeah. someone just explain this to me? <laughs> exactly. And that's where um, just directly from those reports too, the, it first gives you a little bit about yourself to really see if you relate to it. And then from there, it starts to say, okay, here are action items you can take to really be thriving Right. in your strength. So that's where I think that this is really strong is as you taking a first step without a coach first. And then if you can relate to those and then how you actually use them, that's where a coach is going to come into play. It's identifying big problems that you're facing, whether it's in work or professional or, or at home, and then being able to use a coach to get through those with your strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, let's jump into the next one. Analytical. This one is one that uh, I've just over time have started to realize I'm very analytical. So uh, <laughs> the definition of that is you search for reasons and causes. You have the ability to think about all the factors that might affect a situation. Um, and one of the things that it, it talks about is breaking things into parts. And I think that actually goes into maximizer too, because I'm understanding what drives a person. I'm looking at the simple parts of the process. And when I put those two things together, that very clearly defines me because I can see through all the fluff, if you will, and say, all right, what's the root of the problem? What's causing this? And then how do we make it better? So I think that's where the two things actually work together. 
Exactly. And they help make you like a a strategy expert, actually. Mm -hmm. So even though your strategic thinking theme is a little bit lower within your five and 10, if you look at your, you lead, you lead with the strategic thinking theme when you take into consideration all of your 34, not just your five and 10. So you're the person to go to when people need help or a company needs help on where to go next. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if you actually identify that. Or with that, should I say? <laughs> I think that I've always found myself as a person to always have an answer, even mm-hmm. if I don't know the answer. So I actually enjoy that. But at the same time, and I, I think we get into maybe my deliberative part where I won't necessarily always speak up because, mm, I, okay. because I've thought about it and I, I want to share it and I think that I can make it better, but I don't always put it out there right off the bat because... I actually want for for self for whatever reason, selfish reasons, whatever. I want people to uh, come to me for a resource, and I think that's where I feel like mm. I add value to a situation. Okay. Whereas if I'm just vomiting ideas all of the time, then I've usually found that either they get really good ideas get glossed over, in my opinion, really good mm-hmm. ideas get glossed over, and I'm just like, well, I've just wasted a really good idea on you. Right. Or, uh, I might hand it off to somebody and then they carry it on. I'm like, that was my idea. I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I'm a little bugged that somebody took that and they just, took I mean, yeah. yeah. And that's the teamwork thing. And maybe that's why I'm not like the best team member all the time, but I do mm-hmm. like being that resource and I do like providing that insight. And what I found is, and, and I, I've talked about this on the podcast before I was at a table, uh, with a, a bunch of kind of influential business leaders and I didn't, I wasn't talking. I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't belong at the table. It's just, I didn't have right. really like the floor to talk about anything. So I was just there and I was just taking it all in and obviously analyzing and trying to, you know, think about exactly. everything they're talking about. And yeah. at some point, one of the guys turned to me and said, Evan, what do you think? And that's mm. when I kind of was like, okay, Came here we to go. Life. Yeah. And so I said what I thought. It was very simple. It was very straightforward. And uh, I, I still remember he turned and looked at me. He's like, I like this guy. He said he doesn't say much, but when he says something, it means something. And that right there, like just like a wash of just like, oh, I feel great right now. This is that's that's what I've been looking for. And it was just it like kind of woke me up a little bit. And it's like, all right, there I need to speak up more and be willing to speak up more because I do have something valuable to say. Up until that Mm -hmm. point, I don't necessarily felt that I had something valuable to say. And so when I was validated in that, I was like, okay my ideas are good and I should be more willing to share those. Exactly. And that's where it goes into practicing your talent. So your deliberative and your analytical are working there because your deliberative says, okay, I don't want to speak until it's the absolute best response, which then goes directly into your maximizer of the same thing. Unless it's the most superb thing that's coming out of my mouth, I'm going to hold back. But really, you innately already know and have that information. You think that everybody else around you does, but they don't. You're actually the one with the superpower. So you've got to get brave and speak up. My head's getting really big in this in, in this, in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we got to be careful on that. One thing I do want to uh, touch on briefly on the analytical side is it talks about driven by your talents, you keep a tight rein on your emotions. Mm. And I think that uh, and you know me as a person, I'm not a very emotional person. Right. And so part of me is a little torn on that because I feel like I should have more emotion, but I feel like that goes against 
who I am based on on this. So how how does how does a person navigate that? Because I know I know that emotion is important, and I know that if I express emotion, show vulnerability, and become that kind of person that people can go to for answers. Mm-hmm. But and I've said multiple times in podcasts, I'm not good at empathy, and I feel like you know I need the, I need to actually practice maybe something that's more of a weakness to me, which would be empathy and showing emotion, because I think that will bring more people to me so that I can be analytical and I can be a maximizer. But I think sometimes that becomes a strength that gets out of control where I show no emotion at all, which Mm. is great for poker, but not necessarily for leadership. (laughs) Uh, What are your thoughts on that? And that's where pairing you with someone that does have the strong empathy will be needed because what empathy is, it's not sympathy. So it doesn't mean that they feel exactly what the other person feels and agree with it. Empathy just means it's the intuitive sense that you understand something's not right or that something is off. So if you've got that low, then it's going to be hard for you to actually practice that because that's just not in you. I I don't mean to be blunt, but that's just kind of how it works. So the best way is to pair yourself with someone who already has that and to be that person to tell you, hey, this is when this is kicking in. And, and, And you guys and or girls know about the information ahead of time. And that way it kind of helps fuel each other. Absolutely. I think that's a, is a, a kind of a good lead to start talking about some of those blind spots. So in, in, in that blind spot, uh, in that, the report, it says to keep in mind that others will have emotional, subjective and personal opinions and their inputs may be just as valuable to yours. But because of not being emotional and some of that other stuff, we may come off as cold and those people may not be willing to share those things. So um, I think that's just as important or and mm-hmm. I'll ask your opinion on, on this are the of weaknesses course. just as important as the strengths in they are of- in in the sense that you can finally figure out that that's not you and stop trying to be that right so your your god didn't get it wrong and your top five or your top ten are how you shine and that's who you are and that's who you need to embrace so when you can finally learn what your bottom five are you can realize hey listen that's not me that's not my wheelhouse and that's who I need to find a partner with a friend a coworker, or whatever to help bring that other piece out I think that's a very powerful statement as well to you know stop trying to be something that you're not I think sometimes people feel like you know you know you said God doesn't make mistakes I I think you do have your strengths but I think in some cases, we get into this comparison thing, which I definitely do. Like when I first did a Berkman, um, I kept trying to look at all of the things that I was and, and, and it kept showing me my strengths and I kept going, all right, well, if I'm strong in that, then I'm, you know, then, then, you know, how, how does that rank with other people that are in leadership? Like, mm-hmm. are those like, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? I thought I was supposed to be right in the middle on a lot of that stuff. And, and mm-hmm. what, what that report was really telling me was like, no, these are strengths. These are like areas that you're very strong in. And so that's, you know, those are things that you like, like those, you should lead with. But at the same time, I think it's really important to recognize that just because you're not those things doesn't mm. make you a failure. And it doesn't make no. you somebody <laughs> who is not a good leader because you don't do those things. Sometimes, especially like, cause I've been paired with emotional leaders uh, and very empathetic leaders. The frustration I get is people are drawn to that emotion. They woo, they, they're high on the woo. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, 
everybody likes that person and they don't like mm-hmm. me and I can't, I can't figure it out. And so I think there's some freedom into understanding that, but then also being able to you know, say, okay, these are my strengths. This is where the value is. I'm a unicorn in these areas and that's perfectly great. Exactly. And even if I try my hardest to woo somebody or to be really emotional, it's not going to come off as genuine and people will be repelled by that anyway. Exactly. So don't need to be that. And a little bit of my story is, so I have self-assurance really low. It's actually in my bottom 30s. And I just thought something was wrong with me. I thought I didn't have enough self-confidence. And I'm a pretty outgoing person. So usually when I tell people this, they're kind of surprised. But I have this little voice in my head that's constantly telling me, is this enough? Did you do enough? And by really learning how to use my top strengths, I could finally start to to turn off that voice and realize that's always going to be there and I just got to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that you have self-assurance. Let's see. I think yours is like 16. So while it's not in your bottom, it's still something that you're going to have to pull from. So you're going to constantly have that little voice as well. It's maybe not as loud as mine, but you still have it too. And realizing that, but pushing forward anyway is where the magic happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that sometimes, and you're talking about that little voice, I think that sometimes that causes you to be maybe overly outgoing or, or more personable. And some, so I think there is a balance with that. For me, mm-hmm. I think, you know, with that voice in, that is saying that you're not enough or you don't know enough or, you know, you're, you're not self-assured in, in what I think that that then motivates me to do that backfill. It's like, all right. Mm-hmm. Yes, if I just sit here and say, I, you know, I don't know how to do this. Well, as in my position, it's my job, my role to either get somebody who can do those things, who can speak mm-hmm. intelligently, well, I can understand those, or I can go learn how to do those things. And so it just, it just takes that time and it, it, it kind of motivates you to get better. But I think you need, you need to listen to that voice just as much as you do to a report like this that's telling you, hey, these are your strengths. And that voice is telling, it's almost guiding you to, like, here are some things that I need to work on. And then you decide, do I work on these or do I hire for those talents and and kind of find that balance? Exactly. We are each individuals, you know, we're we're, we're like a a star. We're all pointy in what we do. We're not all well-rounded. But then when you start to pair everybody together, you just realize how well-rounded you are. I'll give you an example. I went on a girl's trip a couple of weeks ago, and it was actually my first one in like 20 years. I don't know why I haven't done them before. (laughs) And it was amazing. But I mean, I live and breathe the strengths. So, of course, I told all the girls about it, and by day three, I had strength-findered all of them. You know, they had all taken the assessment, (laughs) and that was our brunch conversation. But what I realized right away, because the trip had gone super flawless, like from the moment that we decided to take the trip, to booking and planning the trip, to then, you know, coming up with who should do what and what we do as a group together, because that can always be hard. And it went really smooth. Well, after we strength-findered everybody, I realized that we each carried a dominant theme. Mm. So there was one of us in each theme. So the four together, that's why it worked so well. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, 
when you were say, t- t- saying that story, it actually reminded me of something that uh, my wife was struggling with, and uh, it was that she's kind of she's an organizer. She helps put things together, and like she's kind of of the mentality like, you know, I'm I'm always the one that like plans this and does that and everything else. And she was starting to resent that, and I think that it was important for her to realize through kind of her journey. Uh, is that that's actually a strength from her for her, and I think it's important to not resent your strengths but embrace your strengths. If if people are always kind of saying, "Hey, will you plan this or will you help with this?" they see that in they naturally see that in you. They, I mean, it's not like she's broadcasting her strength finders to everybody, but right. they naturally see that in her. And she was getting to the point of like, "Why are other people not doing this? Mm-hmm. Like I do this," and I think what she was. she's kind of come to recognize is that's an actual strength for her and other people just aren't wired that way. So it's not natural for them to do something like that. Exactly. She has a high relationship theme as well as execution. So when you pair those two together, naturally people are going to be drawn to that. One of her top ones is also individualization, which is the ability to see the unique qualities in others. So Other people don't have that, and they may not see that in her right away, and she's got to recognize that just because she sees it quickly and fast, that not everybody always sees it that way. (laughs) And when you're a high execution theme, that means you're going to get things done. So you guys balance each other wonderfully because you've got the strategic and the influence, and then she's got the execution and the relationship. Oh, she's heavy on the emotion. She's really good at empathy. It's so funny that it worked out the way that it did, but, yeah, she definitely – She's like, she's told me a couple things. I'm like, why would you do that? That makes no sense at all. She's like, well, it's because it's the right thing to do. And it's people like that. It makes them feel warm and fuzzy. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's jump to the next one. Responsibility. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm personifying some of these a little too much. Uh, no, okay. re- responsibility. Uh, you take uh, psychological ownership of what you say you will do. You are committed to stable values such as honesty and loyalty. This one just makes me feel really good about myself because mm-hmm. I'm an honest and loyal person. But yeah. what is what what is this how does this kind of tie into like some of the cuz I'm sure they're interwoven. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the one that's where it's like I think I'll take it a little bit further in the description, you know, a deep sense of dedication and feeling of ownership to your commitments. You know, mm-hmm. you're the person that can be relied upon to always follow through and you know are high trustworthy. So in asking that or in learning that, do you do you see that you define yourself by your ability to live up to commitments? That's a good question. I I think that if I have earned somebody's trust and I've demonstrated that I am kind of the leader that they are the person for whatever job that is, then mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do feel that that's a, that's a big part of who I am and that I do kind of want to basically validate their decision to put me in that role. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. What do you think you're currently like the most, the thing that's most important to you that you feel a responsibility for? The thing now your deliberative is kicking. Your deliberative <laughs> is kicking in right now, going. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is and this is that's kind of one of the things that I, I have to work on a lot with the podcast because I like to think about stuff. So I, I'll pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And absolutely. my wife will jump in and she'll just start talking. I'm like, hold on, no, I'm just thinking about this. All right. So ask me the question one more time. Okay. So what do you feel is like the top responsibility that you have right now 
the most important one. I think for me, like in the role that I'm in, it's always financial. So I think it's making sure that I'm providing for, uh, you know, the company to make sure that the company's fiscally sound and doing well, but then also the people so that they have good jobs and they have a good, uh, healthy um, place that they enjoy working. I think that's where my biggest responsibility is. Uh, I think mm-hmm. everything else ties to that. I do tie in from a customer standpoint. I want to make sure it's done well and it's done mm-hmm. right and it's done within a reasonable amount of time. And so I just feel like for me that's common sense and that's basic um, basic business. But what I've found in you know my years of doing this that it's actually very rare that you do what you say you're going to do. It's very rare that uh, from a quality standpoint that you don't cut corners. It's very rare that somebody will shake your hand and say, I'm, I'm going to be there for you when you need me mm-hmm. and actually be there when they need you. And so I think some of the success that we've had, and I, and I, I believe I've done a pretty good job of communicating that to my team, like this is who we are, this is our vision, mission, values, this is part of the part of it. Some of that was pulled in from, you know, the previous ownership and carried through. And so I was naturally drawn to that because I respect that. And I, 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 I don't want to be a part of an organization that doesn't do something that, like that. And to the extent where it bothers me if we're not able to mm-hmm. uh, deliver on those things. And so I think to answer your question, those are the things that I put a, a high value on and in terms of responsibility to my customers, to my employees and to my family. Yes, and that's where your strength is amazing because other people won't actually feel a responsibility to all those things. They'll maybe have one area that they can gravitate towards and that's where they kind of step up and shine. But with your responsibility being in your top five, you feel it in all areas. And that's what makes you a great leader because you're going to be there for every little area that you just talked about versus it being three people that it takes to do that. Yeah. Well, and the analytical side says if I don't take good care of my employees, they're not going to take good care of my customers. Mm-hmm. If I don't take good care of my family, they're not going to be there when I come home. So I'm, I'm just, I'm looking <laughs> like five steps beyond what what the answer is to the question that you have. But yeah, I, I think that you know when you understand that that's a strength mm-hmm. and that's something that can define your business, that's your niche, right? That's the thing that 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 you can kind of do really, really well. So when somebody says like why should we choose your company? That's one of the first things that I hit them. But the problem is, is it sounds cliche at this point. Like everybody says they're going to do that. The difference is, is actually demonstrating that. And so what we've been able to do is in the small industries that we're in, we've been able to thrive and grow and become dominant in those. But I'm the kind of person, I think one of the reasons that I'm not good at first impressions is I don't necessarily want to have to prove myself to you with words. I want to prove myself to you with actions. And okay. if I'm able to do that, I believe that mm-hmm. I'll have a, that much more loyal customer. They're going to say, what's the deal with this company? And somebody else will tell my story so I don't have to, which doesn't always work out in my favor. But for the most part, like if we do a really good job, we get a ton of great referrals because of something like that. Absolutely. And if you don't mind, I'd actually like to jump back to your maximizer for just a minute. So in talking through and in understanding maximizer, one of the biggest things that it says that people thrive who have this talent and strength are is the ability to invite the opinions of those that they believe are experts or top performers. Mm -hmm. So in you doing this podcast, do you get a sense of satisfaction being able to feed into that? 
I think that I've grown a ton through this podcast. And I think that for me, if I can talk to people that I, that I respect or that I've kind of seen do things in the industry and you're one of those people, I think ultimately I'm more apt to actually implement the things that people tell me as opposed to if I read in, in a book and I don't know who the author is or I hear somebody talking about it, but at the same time I'm like, hey, financially you're a mess. So like I don't know that <laughs> I right. want to take financial advice from you. And so right. it's allowed me to maybe take more risks than I traditionally would because mm-hmm. I'm able to talk to people that are comfortable outside of their comfortable comfort zone because I'm so analytical I'm slow to move on things and so that helps me speed up that process and it's part of my being analytical is I'm I'm talking to people who I know are industry experts or have kind of gone there and done that and for Mm -hmm. me that's validation that this is a uh, this is plausible. This is something that can happen. And so it allows me to move more quickly. Uh, it allows me to grow as a leader. I've implemented a lot of things from this podcast in terms of my leadership style. I've recognized that, you know, I can be more transparent. I can, it actually allows me to practice being vulnerable, which I, I, you know, me in person, I don't project that very much at all right. but through the podcast. I, for whatever reason, I'm less concerned. Maybe it's cause I don't, you know, I don't know every individual person that listens, but I'm right. more willing to share some of the challenges that I have because I know that that builds relationship. And by me talking about it, I can now grow and learn from it. And then I can invite some of the expertise from other people that I respect, um, that can kind of help me grow in that as well. So short answer. Yes. Long answer. See two minutes. Yes. Ago. <laughs> no worries. And I kind of want to give kudos to your podcast 124, the one with Clarence, because I felt like even though I've known you for so long, I actually got to learn more about you in that 46 minutes or whatever it was than I think I have the whole last 15 years. So it was really great to kind of get to hear that. And I, I would highly recommend that everybody else is listening to this one really go back and listen to that one if they yeah, haven't already. It's literally one below this one, but thank you for that. And I think Part of my deliberative is I won't always speak up. And so yeah. in natural relationships and everything else, it, you're not going to hear a lot of that stuff. Now, if you ask me, and you now know this, if you ask me, you're going to get a lot, a very well yeah. thought out, very detailed answer. But if you don't ask me, I'm not going to throw it out there. And exactly. I, I, I think I, I do need to work on that. But um, yeah, no, that's that's where a lot of people have listened to this and been like, man, if Evan doesn't talk very much, but then I hear him on the podcast and he's like talking all the time and he's got some really great stuff to say. And so I, I think at some point I'll bridge the gap. I'll bridge the gap yeah. and be able to be more talkative in public settings and more willing to talk about things. But part of me is like, I, I know that the small conversations lead to the big conversations, but sometimes I just don't want to put in the work of the small conversations because I never know if that person is yeah. going to go down the path. So I'll float out little things. And if you don't, if you don't, bite on some of the things that I say, then we stay small talk and that's where we stay from there. And, and exactly. I think that's just how I'm wired. But even with your, your top five and your top 10, I mean, these podcasts are perfect for you. So I think that's why you shine and why you get so much out of them is that because it's feeding into your top strengths. So you're getting to actually, you know, fill your bucket, if you will, mm-hmm. as you're doing these. So Kudos for actually figuring that out. <laughs> well, thank you. I uh, I really want to jump into this one um, as much as I love you complimenting me this whole time. Um, <laughs> but this one right here is 
as I was reading all of these things, and I, and I know we've talked about this, I think it's the one that I connect with most. And I think you were asking me, which one do I connect yeah. with most? You led okay. me a little bit on this, but as I read it, uh, I, I think I agree with you. Uh, it's uh, deliberative. You can be best described by the serious care you take into making decision or choices. You anticipate obstacles. Um, and then it goes into all sorts of, and I basically start every one of these. Uh, you're very likely that you'll deliver compliments only when certain people deserves recognition. Flattery is not mm-hmm. your style. Honesty yeah. and sincerity are. That's that's me. You're probably going to think long and hard before acknowledging someone's achievements or, or, or contributions. Because of your strengths, you're somewhat private in your personal life. That is your past, your present activities, your future plans. That's pretty much me with the exception of this podcast. Uh, chances are you're going to refuse to sh- shirk your obligations. That goes into my responsibility side. You're mm-hmm. eager to fulfill your commitments, uh, often described as earnest. Your dependability is a hallmark of your personality. Again, responsibility. Mm-hmm. You, by nature, you refrain from sharing much information about yourself with others. Uh, you're reserved by nature. You prefer to keep your thoughts so um, kind of emotionless, which ties into my analytical side. Uh, it, yet when the situation demands conversation, you can be talkative and sociable situation. Mm-hmm. Right now. Um, business, people think of me as businesslike, um, and I avoid activities in the workplace that make you appear foolish. I definitely do that. Yeah. I was going to hone in on that one because I, I've got somebody here who also has analytical and deliberate as well. And he's our <laughs> chief strategist. So I've gotten to learn him over the last couple of years, working with him, obviously 40 hours a week mm. in the same little tiny office. <laughs> so I, once a month I do where I get the whole team together and we do something fun, something, sometimes it's going out to eat, but sometimes it's been as simple as, okay, we're going to get down and do push-ups and we're going to have a contest. <laughs> and my people That's with your competitive side. I think you're just trying they, to flex your competitive side. <laughs> my people with deliberative would immediately be like, oh, hell no. You know, <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> and I had to convince them that that was how they were going to build team camaraderie. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes that's going out of your comfort zone and that's how you get to become personable because it's actually through those times that you're building on the relationships. Absolutely. And I think it's, I'm glad you brought that up because originally we talked about like, you know, just know that you're not going to be certain things, but I think it's still okay to exercise some of those and be willing to go through that because now as a leader, I know that if I do some of these things that I'm not comfortable with and I'm willing to kind of be a little bit goofy, that that is going to draw people to me and people need to see that side of me because otherwise they're never going to okay. want to bring anything else to me because it's all going to be business all the time and they're not going to build that relationship and we're not going to build that trust. We're not going to uh, grow together as a team and trust sometimes comes from those small conversations of how are you kids? What's going on with your family? Oh, man, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Because I've become personally invested in them, that can build probably more trust than me giving them the right answer every time. Exactly. And that's where your relator, um, which is your number seven, can come through because that's more of that one-to-one deep dive. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of raw version of relator is that you you may not connect right away with a person, so you just stop trying but the mature version is that you work through that and you ultimately have this long-term relationship that lasts much longer than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So my last one is, uh, is, is competition. We talked a little bit about that. Um, I think 
for me, it's more of comparison than it is competition. Okay. I think, I think competition is like, I enjoy competition, but I, and I do have the desire to be number one and I don't want to play unless I, I know that I'm going to win. And it frustrates me when I lose, even if I get second place. But at the same time, I think for me, because in life you really can't comp- like do true competition where you have a scoreboard. So mm-hmm. like, for example, both my kids play football. I know at the end of the game how we stack up because I can look at the scoreboard and say, all right, 12 to 14, we lost. Uh, and good effort, you know, against maybe a, a different team, I, like, you know, and we win, like, and it's 35 to nothing, we were clearly better. But I think in life, when you have competition, you just start comparing uh, because you're just like, this is the house that they have. This is the car that they drive. This is what their family life looks like. This is, you know, the, the, the opportunity, the title that they have. And so you start comparing those things and you're sitting there going, am I enough? Am I, am I really what I think I am? And that comparison gets in there, which then drives me to do better. But in, in my conversation with Clarence is, you know, is this what, winning actually feels like. And I think that mm. kind of ties into that previous podcast where you are competitive and you want to be the best. And you know that in terms of like just the, the basic score that you have in life, it's income, right? It's status, it's title, it's experience, it's all those other things. And you're sitting there going, I got all those things, but I don't feel like I'm winning. I don't feel like I've, I've, I've kind of won the race. And then the really frustrating thing is when you become number one, you become the mountain then and everybody yeah. else is trying to climb you now to reach the pinnacle that you're at. And then they, it just keeps getting raised and raised. And so this is never ending ongoing thing. And I think that competition is definitely important and we need to have that competitive edge. But I think I lean a little heavy on the comparison side and that's where maybe a strength gets out of control for me. Then I start feeling insufficient in some of the things mm. that I'm doing or I don't feel fulfilled in the job that I'm doing. So if we're not hitting the number that I think we're supposed to hit, automatically go to I'm losing, I'm a failure as opposed to, hey, you know, we're striving, we're doing, we're, you know, here's here's all of our metrics so that we can look at, like, how are we really doing? But if I'm only looking at one thing or I'm comparing myself to somebody else whose, you know, company has grown by 100% for the last four years, I'm sitting there going, wah, wah, I suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and with it being my number one, it's definitely one of my most challenging strengths. And I mm-hmm. have to constantly check myself because it can't be that winning is more important than the people around me. Um, but you, you touched on something important, and that is that in your case, it's comparison. And for me, it's more about just winning immediately. And I can even compete against myself. And that's actually where I found that it's better. I have to stop comparing myself against everybody and instead just compare myself against my baseline. Mm -hmm. And what is my baseline and am I up or am I down from that? And and just having a task list and making sure I get through my tasks is enough for me. I can feel fulfilled just from that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, really when we 
are looking at these strengths and we're looking at all the different uh, characteristics that we have, these talents that we have, I think that that last part is probably the most important part, which is being fulfilled with who you are. And I think that contentment, that gratitude that comes into play, understanding there's some peace that says, okay, this is my strength. This is the kind of the playground that I thrive. These are the things that I can do. This is a weakness, so I, I need to be okay with that, and I need to bring somebody else in to help out with that. I think that's where, as a leader, especially when you get to the top and you have nobody else to talk to per se, Mm -hmm. when you can find that peace and that fulfillment of, I have the right people, I'm operating in my strengths. I'm doing the things that, that bring me life, that encourage me, that, that I feel like at the end of the day, I've done what I needed to do. And that was success to me. Uh, and then you start to see it validated through the income that comes in the relationships that you build and everything else. I think that's what success really should start to look like for you in the sense of, am I operating in my strengths? Am I honing and practicing the things that I know that I'm good at, um, that, that kind of make up my DNA. And then also I'm bringing in and recognizing that I do have weaknesses and how can I best manage those and, and ultimately get to the, where I'm the most complete version of myself that I was created to be as opposed to either hating the version of myself that I don't understand or feeling Mm -hmm. unfulfilled or insignificant because I'm trying to do something that I think I should do, but really that's not what I should be doing at all. Right, definitely. And also being able to grow through that. So you may have one understanding of your strength, but then as you start to see it play out in different situations, to then use a coach to really understand how and why you were motivated to work through that. And then how do you do it again, especially when you do get that fulfillment? So I think even in your one degree and a lot of this stuff, you know, when you're doing at least 60% or more of your strengths, that's when you're kind of on fire and it can be kind of your superpower, if you will. So identifying that to make sure that you have a good balance in your life, not just at work, but at home too. You know, I'm going to just take like my competition one. Um, You know, I, if I can't compete or do that at, at work, then I've got to find a way to do it at home. Even if that just means getting into little arguments with my kids is going to sound horrible, (laughs) but I, I love that kind of back and forth banter and it's never done. I'm not talking about like picking real fights. I'm talking about, you know, just that, that back and forth quick play and, and me one upping maybe a little. And then if they one up being proud of the fact that they have too, because I'm pretty sure my youngest has competition also. Ah. (laughs) So you getting to know that about yourself and oh, by the way, they have a strength finder for kids. Yeah. It starts at age nine and up. So I absolutely strength findered my whole family. And that's really helped us even become a stronger unit. Again, back to that, how do you communicate and work with each other? So it's just been amazing to kind of see it play out in almost all facets of my life. Absolutely. I want to talk real quickly about uh, now taking this right here. So now I have a pretty good understanding of who I am and how you as a coach Uh, And then ultimately training leaders to build teams around this, because if I I I think if you have two people that have very similar personalities, very similar strengths, that could actually be a challenge, right? Yes, it is, because then you've got too many things going in the in the same direction. So if two let me give you an example of two people such as you and I, if if our influences are so high, all we're trying to do is just influence each other. Mm-hmm. And we're not actually getting to where we need to be. So we need somebody to else to come in to help be more of the doer or the execution or the strategic to help us push us the rest of the way. 
Awesome. Well, if you can tell everybody a little bit about how do they uh, take this test? How do they connect with a coach? Mm -hmm. Like what are, what are next steps? We've, I think we've done a pretty good job of digging maybe a little deeper than what most people would on, on a, on a typical strength finders, but that's Mm -hmm. the value of having a coach. That's the value of having someone who can kind of come alongside you and guide you through it. How do they take the test? And then ultimately how do they find a coach? Absolutely. So it's gallop.com. And then from there, you can just buy and take the test. It's $49.99 for $50 for taking your full 34. Or you can start with the top five, which is $19.99. Now, after you've taken or if you start with your top five, you don't have to retake the test to get your full 34. It's just paying the difference of the cost. And then it opens up the rest of your 34. So that's how to take the assessment. Again, it's timed. It's about 30 to 45 minutes from you reading the instructions to then taking the test. Some of the questions I get asked are, what if I don't answer? Well, it's it's smart enough to tell you that at the very end, but I can tell you that I haven't had that really happen in the five years that I've done this, which is it's smart enough to, to help you and, and ask different questions to get you to get to the answer. And if it thinks it can't assess you, then it'll tell you, listen, you didn't answer enough questions, try again. Um, But most people are able to get through it pretty successfully. And at the end, like I said, really feel like they've been found out. It's it's so enlightening. I think that's why I love doing this too, is because people kind of have such big aha moments right after taking the assessment. Yeah, I'm one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then from there, it's reading through your 34 report. And then I would also recommend watching the small little videos. There's like three to five minute snippet videos that talk through each of your strengths to see how and if you relate to them. Then from there, finding a coach. Um, After you have found a coach, you don't have to have like a big major problem and then find a coach. A coach is certified and qualified to then pull that out of you. So we have certain sets of questions that we'll ask to help come to whatever that needs to be um, in learning if you need to operate better in your strengths or if there's a top challenge that you need to get through and how to use your strengths to get through it. Fantastic. Um, I know that you, you knew that this was coming. Um, I always give my guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Uh, the audience is young business leaders, people who are finding themselves in leadership roles, who are trying to kind of get to that next level and recognize that, you know, in your leadership journey, in your in your growth as a leader, that you do need to to kind of learn more than than what you think you know, and 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 it's okay to understand that uh, what got you here won't necessarily take you there. But I'm always interested to hear what our what what the guests that we have uh, would say to that next generation, and maybe it's just to that ten year younger version of yourself. So, what would your message be to young business leaders? Yes, absolutely. To know that even in your raw versions, it's okay to make mistakes and that doesn't mean that you're a failure. To fail quick and fail fast, to learn how to be the best you and that it's going to work out. Because again, God didn't get it wrong. You're here for a reason. You're doing what you do for a reason and to have faith and trust in that. Fantastic. How does the audience connect with you? How do they find you if they want to follow up and be coached by you or learn more about some of the things that you're doing? Absolutely. So the best way is probably my Gmail, which is Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A dot Henson, H-E-N-S-O-N, the number one at gmail.com. 
Number one, because you're number That's one, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Teresa, thank you for taking the time to to go through this with me, to speak to the audience and share some of the amazing things that the Clifton Strength Finders uh, guides people through in terms of their talent DNA. So we're really excited to release this to the audience so they can learn more about it, hopefully take the test themselves and ultimately get with a coach and uh, get a better understanding of who they are as a leader. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast.